Wow. Tangible sense of the presence of God's Spirit here this morning. Oh, I think I can do this. It was a hot mess there during worship. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for this church. We thank you for what you're doing here. And God, we pray that you would continue to do what you're doing here this morning. God, we pray for your ruination here this morning. We pray, God, that you would come and do what only you can do. And Father, would you take the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, and would you make it that which you can take and do something with this morning, in spite of who I am, in spite of this frame, God, that needs you. God, I give to you everything here this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. My apologies, first of all, I don't have any slides this morning. Some of you are probably thinking, phew, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> no slides this morning. A couple months ago, I spoke on prayer, and we've been working through our framework, and the trellis represents the framework of what God wants to establish in our life, uh, establish a framework of practices that sustain us on a daily basis as we walk with Jesus. And by the way, I just felt like before I say anything, um, it doesn't matter how old you are this morning, this message is for you. I just feel like I don't want anybody to, you know, sometimes it's a challenge when we, when we you know, we say, oh, you know, are, are children getting this? And I just want to encourage you, if you're, if you're young, like really young even, I just feel like God's Spirit wants to speak to you this morning. I just feel like there's something about what I'm about to share that is for you. If this 62, almost 63 on Tuesday, if this 62-year-old guy has anything for you this morning from the Spirit of God, please receive it. So a couple of months ago, I talked about prayer and talked about how Jesus, when asked by his disciples, Lord, teach us how to pray, Jesus gave them this. He said, um, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. And so just very quick review. Jesus was emphasizing the fact that he was speaking to his Father. And he says, you know what? When you come to him on a daily basis, when you sit in your private place, wherever that might be. It might be in your car. It might be walking to work. It might be when you go out for a walk in the countryside. It might be when you're sitting in your chair in your office in the morning when you're just reflecting on him. We just acknowledge that we have a father in heaven who loves us, that he's a good father, that he's a good father. And for some of us, we've had experiences with our dads, and, and they've been difficult experiences. And when, when Jesus is asking of us to to call on our Father, that elicits a whole lot of memories for us, and sometimes we have the filter wrong, and Jesus is saying, you know what, this Father is a good Father. This Father is a Father who blesses. This Father is a Father who loves. This Father is a Father who provides. This Father is a Father who's always with you, will not leave you as an orphan. 
That's our Father. And some of you have had fathers that have been wonderful fathers. They've been with you and they've been for you and they've expressed their love to you constantly and they've always provided, they've always been there. And Jesus is saying, you know what? As good as your earthly father is, our Father in heaven even is better. And so you have both sides of the coin. You can come to him and you can say, you know what? I'm appealing to my Father, the true and faithful Father. Faithful, faithful Father. You can come to him. The second thing I talked about a couple months ago was the fact that not only is our Father, but he's close to us. He's closer to you than the air you breathe. He is with you at all times. Psalm 139 highlights this where where it doesn't matter where you go, he is with you. It doesn't matter if you drag if you drag him through the mud, he's still with you. You can run to the to the darkest places and he is still with you. And he doesn't condemn you. He doesn't he doesn't come after you as with, uh, you know, a club to beat you. He comes and he says, you know, I want to rescue and I want to bring you into right standing with you. It's okay if you say, you know, search my heart and he'll search your heart. He's not going to destroy you. He's going to love you. Some of you need to hear that this morning. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. He's close to you. If you've given your life to Jesus, and some of us, you know, we... we Jesus calls us to himself and we respond and then we find ourselves in that place where we're distant. We feel distant. We feel that we've blown it. We feel that we've gone awry. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Your father is a faithful father and he runs to you and he comes to you. So you may feel you're a prodigal and he says, I'm drawing you back to myself. You might be that older brother who's jealous and showing all those other signs and symptoms of, of dysfunction. And he says, you know what? I'm coming for you too. I want you. He's close. And Jesus says something. He says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And what Jesus, and third thing I talked about was that Jesus is calling us into worship. He's calling you to worship the living God. calling you to a lifestyle of worship because we're made to worship. You are made to worship. You are made to worship. We're called to get our priorities straight and to worship him as the living God. The evidence of worship is all around us. When you rub shoulders with people who don't know Jesus, the evidence that they are made in the image of God is with them. And I can tell you how. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that God has put eternity in the hearts of men and women He's put eternity in our hearts. And that is, is that it's sometimes been expressed, theologians have been, through history have said that we have this God-shaped hole in our heart. And that God-shaped hole is reserved for the presence of God. And so, you know, as, as a follower of Jesus, in right standing with Jesus, we worship and he fills that hole. He fills it with himself. But all around us, we see our friends and our family and our co-workers worshiping something else. Worshiping, you know, it might, it might be they, they're, they're bowing down to, to their careers, or they're bowing down to power, or they're bowing down to fame, or they're bowing down to money, or whatever the case might be. See, those are all signs and symptoms that were made to worship. Like, on the one hand, it's discouraging. On the other hand, it's encouraging. Because it just says, you know what? We're made for God. 
We're made for God, but we chase after the wrong things. It just says that we're made in the image of God and we're, we're meant to be with him. We're meant to worship him. So Jesus is saying, our Father, good Father, you're close to us. Hallowed be your name. I worship you. And the next thing he says, says something very interesting and it's today's emphasis. He says three words. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. And today what I want to bring to you today is that, is that Jesus is calling us into a lifestyle of intercession. He's calling us into a lifestyle of prayer, bringing the needs of everybody around us in situations to the Father. That's the first priority after worship. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. So our prayers, and I said in the last time I spoke, our prayers matter. Your prayers matter. But I want to flesh that out today, and this is where we're going today. It's our prayers that actually usher heaven into earth. Your prayers actually bring things into being. Not that your prayers have power. God has the power. But he chooses to use us, and he chooses to put things on our heart as we bring them to him, and he follows through, and he answers prayer. So what is an intercession? Intercession, long word, right? So intercession is quite simply put, so for the, if, if you say, well, that's a new word for me. I don't intercession is simply this. When we pray on behalf of somebody else or a situation. When you pray for somebody. So Nancy just talked about her interceding for her friend. That's what she's doing. She's praying for So if you ever have prayed for somebody, you've interceded. Congratulations, you passed the first test, right? You've interceded. It's an outward focus of prayer. It's standing in the gap. It's seeking and pleading, so it's missional. It's, it's, it's like you, you, may, you may not think you're really good at sharing your faith, and when we talk about that all the time, but I'll tell you something you can be really good at is intercession because really you don't have to speak to anybody but your father, takes the pressure off. See, it's different than the contemplative because we talked about being alone with God and beholding God and being personally strengthened in God. It's different than that. And I would even say, and I do believe, that our inner life causes us to be more in tune with the things that God wants to put on our hearts to pray for. So the quality and the time and the effort that you put in, the discipline that you develop in your life, and the patterns that you develop in your life privately are going to outflow into the corporate and cause you to be more in tune with what God wants to do. You see, one thing leads to the next. And intercession comes before praying for our needs because don't you notice it says, Our kingdom, may your kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. comes after. So you see, Jesus is calling us to look to the needs of others before even looking to our own. That's the pattern. So intercessory prayer is the call of every Christian life. So if you're a Christian and you've said, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus, you're called to intercession. It's not a gift, let's be clear. There's no gift of intercession. But I think that Jesus, what he's doing 
is he is wanting to hijack you and hijack me and get our attention and let us know that, okay, it may not be a gift of intercession, but there's a passion that he wants to pour into your life because the more you know him, the more you want to seek him, the more you want to hear him, the more he will give you his heart for the nations and for the region and for your family and for your coworkers and for the people that you meet in the street. He wants to do that. So it doesn't matter how old you are. Old Testament examples, we see lots of examples. I'll just key in on one. Moses, chapter 17 of Exodus. Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. So Joshua's on the battlefield, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. He said, here's the stone, Moses. Sit down. We're going to continue to hold your hands up. And that's what they did. They held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. See, Moses was standing in the gap, and God was interceding, or as Moses interceded for the people, God gave them victory. In the same way, these principles work today. See, he's calling us to intercession. There's lots of other examples. I mean, there's Hannah, you know, whose womb was barren, and she bore Samuel, and then there's Daniel, and there's Jeremiah, and there's Ezekiel, there's Esther, who went before the king, the pagan king, and, and interceded on behalf of Israel, and the, and, and the nation was saved. I mean, on and on it goes. New Testament. In the New Testament, there are examples of intercessors, but I'm going to focus in on one key one, Jesus, the intercessor. See, Jesus leads a life of intercession, standing between us and God, pleading before the Father for us. Jesus is the intercessor, the one that we follow. Isaiah 53 says this about Jesus. He says, and this is hundreds of years before Jesus. Amazing. He says this, he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. In other words, Jesus was counted as a sinner. For he bore the sin of many. The Bible says that he became sin for us. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's me, that's you. In case you didn't know, you're a transgressor, and so am I. Jesus says here, made intercession for us. Romans 8 says this about Jesus. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. You see, that's what Jesus does now, today, right now, at whatever time it is. What is the time, anyway? The time is 12.01. Jesus, what are you doing? I'm interceding for you. I'm interceding for Gary. I'm interceding for Andy. I'm interceding for, for Margaret and for David and for Joe and for Angela and for Pamela and Tim and Hazel. I'm interceding for you all. That's what I'm doing. You're wondering what I'm up to? That's what I'm doing. 24-7, Jesus the intercessor. It says in Hebrews 7, it says, Jesus, if you're wondering what Jesus lives for, what does Jesus live for? What do you live for? Here's what Jesus lives. It says, Jesus lives to intercede for us. That's what he does. 
Shouldn't that encourage us? Absolutely. Jesus is interceding for you. So when you are at your lowest point and you feel that there's nothing, like you feel alone completely, that life is against you, that, that your circumstances are terrible and that things are, things are just awful, guess what? I wonder if anybody's praying for me. Uh-huh. Jesus is. Jesus is praying for you right now. Right now. So he's praying for you right now. So Joshua, he's praying for you right now. Keith Warrington, Jesus is praying for you right now. I mean, wrap your head around that, folks. I have a hard time wrapping my head around Jesus lives to intercede for you. He lives for that. That's what he's doing. Like, that's amazing. Now here's the other part that is, by extension... If we have put our trust in Jesus, what's our goal in life? Our goal in life is to be like who? To be like Jesus. And guess what? If we're going to be like Jesus, he's also given us his Holy Spirit. His Spirit indwells us. He's given us us of his Spirit, and his Spirit seals us. When we accept Christ to come into our life, you bend your knee to Jesus. Jesus, come into my life. He comes into your life via the Holy Spirit. He comes in. It's done. And you start a lifelong journey of becoming more like Jesus every day. But you can become like Jesus by becoming an intercessor because that's what Jesus does. So you want to do what Jesus does? You can intercede. You can pray. You can pray for your family. You can pray for your friends. You can pray for your neighbors. You can pray for your coworkers. You can pray for the nations. You can pray for Ukraine. You can take your pick. It's kind of like concentric circles going out. We start close. We start with our families, and we have all kinds of issues in our families, don't we know? Some of them are very painful. I'm not making light of them, folks. Difficulties, challenges, things that break our hearts. We bring those to the Father. We intercede. May your kingdom come. May your will be done, God, in my family's life. My friends, my co-workers, the people I rub shoulders with when I go to the grocery store, may your kingdom come. I pray for them. I pray for the people I'm going to meet today that I don't even know. Intercede. Father, would you come and do what only you can do? So to take on God's, God's heart is to become like Jesus in this manner too, to pray and intercede on behalf of others. See, that's what he's doing. If that's all he's living, if that, he's living for that. If he's living for that, then maybe I need to live that way as well. John Tyson, who leads a church in New York City, who I love listening to in his heart, he says this about intercession. He says this, that intercessory prayer is, get this, spiritual defiance in the way, of, in the way that things currently are. Spiritual defiance in the face and in the way of things what they are. So in other words, I'm being defiant. Oh yeah, well that, looks, that situation looks like this. Well, I'm going to pray that God change it. Now God's timetable is different than ours, and that's hard, isn't it? Because we have, we, you know, we have, we have a different timetable than God often. But it's to be spiritually defiant in the face of what we see. Despite our circumstances, we pray. Now, there is 
the role of faith in intercession. See, when we pray, it requires a belief that God will step in. Do you believe that God wants to step in? Notice what I said. Do you believe that God wants to step in? I believe he does. I believe that he wants to step in. He wants to step into your life. He wants to step into the lives of your friends and your family and your coworkers. He wants to step in. See, that requires faith. If you believe that God wants to do it, that means you have faith. Do you believe that God wants to step in and change the course of things? I do believe it. I believe he wants to do that. Requires faith in who God is. We believe that he is present when we gather, don't we? Like, folks, even if, and she didn't, but even if Angela hit all the wrong chords this morning, sung the wrong words, even if power went out and there was no band, the fact that we're gathered together, guess what? Who's with us? Jesus. Where two or three are gathered together, he's with us in the midst. Now, we love to worship God together, and we can sense his presence with us, which we did this morning. But despite all of that, even if those things weren't here, the fact that we're together, he's with us. Like, really, folks, he, it's a guarantee he's with us. That's what the Word says. He is with us. Despite what we might feel, despite what we might see, Jesus is here. And he wants to act. And Jesus is acting this morning. He's doing something this morning. You see, he's praying for you right now at this moment. It speaks to the omniscience of God, the omnipotence of God, that he can be in so many different places the way he's here. So it's all wrapped up in faith. You say, well, Gary, I don't have much faith. Oh, good. That's good. Because I've, I've been there, and I'm there some days. I don't have much faith. I might have, you say, I don't have much faith, Gary. Okay. Do you have, like if you put your fingers together like this and just separate your, your forefinger and your thumb by about a millimeter, do you have that much faith? Do you have that much? Even bring it closer together, maybe half a millimeter, do you have that much faith? Do you have enough faith that might be, might be, might be the size of a mustard seed? Do you have that much faith? That's not much faith, is it? Guess what? enough faith. It's enough faith. It's enough faith. A little bit. Because you might think you have none, but when pressed, I think you have a tad. A tiny, tiny, tiny bit. That's all that's required, folks. It's a mustard seed of faith. And we drop that in God's soil. And sometimes our faith seems like that. We drop it in God's soil and it's buried and it feels like nothing's happening in our life. God is here this morning and he's pouring water by his spirit on your seed. If that's all you got is one, he's dropping, he's dropping his spirit, dropping it, pouring out his spirit on the soil of your life and he is bringing to germination what seems to be dead. He's bringing it to life this morning. That's what he's doing. We know that the mustard plant, when it grows, flourishes and thrives and is big. But if that's all you got, that's okay. What about prayer that doesn't seem to be answered? What about prayer that seems to take so long? It's like, oh God, we're like, 
Jesus got that one covered too. Jesus knew it would be hard. Here is what he said in Luke 18. I just, when, I, when I read this this weekend, I'm like, oh my goodness. Jesus, you got it covered. Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples, disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. See, Jesus knew it would be tough. Jesus knew that the timetable that his father has is different than ours. So, well, he's Jesus. He knew everything anyway. Oh, really? Jesus doesn't know the time or the hour. Jesus doesn't know the timetable of his father. He knows it's difficult. He knows that he wants to, he wants to help us to understand that we need to be patient and we need to persevere and we need to act and we need to continue on even in the face of apparent non-answers by the Father. As Jesus said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared of what people thought and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't uh, eventually come and attack me. So like, she's persistent. Do you think she had some moments of doubt? Absolutely. She kept coming, she kept coming, she kept coming. Don't give up, folks. Don't give up. Ollie, don't give up. Trevor, don't give up. Michelle, don't give up. Jesus, those are Jesus' words to you. Don't give up. Don't give up, Kelly. Don't give up. Patty, don't give up. Nancy and Cyril, don't give up. Don't give up. Passionate, don't give up. Don't give up. Jesus knows. He knows. He knows we're going to be tempted to give up and remain faithful. We can't control God. Prayer is a mystery. It takes time to grow in it. I'm thankful for a lot of things over this past couple of years. And one thing I'm thankful for is that God has helped me to grow in my, in my understanding and just to grow in love with Jesus more. But don't give up. Don't give up. See, we're used to getting everything immediately in this world, aren't we? Show my age. How many remember the show 24? Jack Bauer. Right? I still got the ringtone in my... And if you don't have it, I'm sorry. But you can find 24 on Netflix for sure. When 24 came out, it was on Tuesday nights, I believe. Every Tuesday night, I'm looking forward to Jack, baby. He's going to kick some serious rear end. Right? And every week it would come out. I'd been anticipating and I'd wait for another week. I'd leave me on a cliff hanging for the next one. Today, you can watch all 24, like in 24 hours. Literally. You can sit there and watch it till your eyes bleed. You don't have to wait for anything. Jesus said, you know what? He gives us enough to keep you wanting more. He gives us enough to keep us going. He's, he said, I'm going to give you this much today. He's not withholding. 
He's causing your expectation to increase. He's causing your hope to increase. He's causing you to understand his dependability. He's causing us, causing me to understand that he always comes through. You tracking with me again? Don't give up. So I need to remain in the love of God in my private life because that overflows into my corporate life. So I'm not, this is not a condemning word whatsoever, but folks, fall in love with Jesus. Establish yourself some principles. This is my shameless plug for formation, like be formed in the image of Christ every day. Find that place. You need it. And the more you do it, the more you'll crave it, the more you'll know, like, I need this. Do what works for you, but do it. While preparing this message, I felt that the Spirit spoke to me just yesterday. And, uh, so, hold on. I thought, oh, do it the second time. Won't be a problem. I don't care. I really don't care. <sighs> Folks, can I be honest? Can we be honest with each other? We've had lots of losses over these past years, notwithstanding COVID. Let's take COVID out of the mix. I don't, there have been some issues, for sure. Let's take COVID out. Over the past seven years or so, we've had lots of losses. We've had some serious disappointments. We've had some serious discouragements as a church. Some of us has ex have experienced serious disillusionment. I believe we've experienced a death of vision. Folks, you think back, there are ones that were with us. They're not with us anymore. And we watched from the sidelines, and not in some cases watched, walking shoulder in shoulder with people, lives going through tremendous pain We've seen some of our best young leaders' lives going through tremendous, tremendous challenge. They're no longer with us. I'm sure some of you, you got faces and names going through your mind right now. God, where are you? Do you remember when it was prophesied over us? If you were with us at the time, but if you weren't with us, this is what was prophesied over us a number of years ago. God is establishing an Antioch church. An Antioch church, without going into too much detail, an Antioch church in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, it was a sending church. It was a, a church that would supply to the region. It would supply leaders and plant churches. God is calling us to be an Antioch church. How many of you remember that? Put your hand up. I want to see them. Do you remember that? When's the last time you heard us talk about us being an Antioch church? in a long time because that, that vision that has died we lost many young leaders ones that we worked with a lot 
Yes, we made mistakes, and yes, people make decisions, and yes, all of those things, but we experience serious loss. We had one evening at our prayer meeting at Brunswick Street. We had a prayer meeting and we were interceding and the Spirit of God was there. And Joe will know this. How many years ago, Joe? Thank you. So 12 and a half years ago, right? And in that prayer meeting, I know she's here and I'm going to embarrass her. It doesn't matter. Sorry. But God used Kim Fenwick that night. And when we were praying, I remember when it happened, we were praying and all of a sudden, you know, like when you're, everybody's praying together and everything quieted down, you just feel a tangible sense of the presence of God. And Kim Fenwick prayed this quiet prayer that God wanted to establish churches, communities of strength and faith in all of the towns and cities in Atlantic Canada that had universities. And right here, in our office, we've got two pictures. You wonder what these are. These are, the, these are the framed pictures that represent each of those 12 towns and cities. They're all there. I'm not going to name them right now just for the sake of time. But these are the ones. And these hung in our building on, Char on Brunswick Street, and they hang in our office here. When in the past while have we talked about that vision with the strength and the fortitude that it was given to us? Folks. And then just three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, we had an elders meeting. And uh, I had this picture while we were worshiping. And the picture, I saw this burnt out forest burnt out trees, burnt out ground, the whole bit. And I knelt down and I, in this picture slash vision, whatever you want to call it, I just scraped away the ash. And out of the ashes, there was this box. And in the box, I picked it up, brushed it off, and it was a box that contained the vision that God had given us. God's vision, not ours. God's vision for the Atlantic region was in that box. The vision for an Antioch church was in that box. And he says, I want you to dust it off, I want you to open it up, and I want you to reclaim that vision. Because it's not your vision, it's my vision for this region. So God is calling us to intercede. Yes, for our families, yes, for our friends, yes, for our coworkers, but it's bigger than that, folks. He's calling us back into this he, he wants to reestablish this vision and have it gain traction with us once again. And I believe that it's going to even look different. Isn't it interesting that I, I thought about this this morning on the way, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm speaking about this vision and Mark and Debbie are on PEI right now. Isn't that funny? Charlottetown is one of our towns and cities. Just last week, Joe and I were in Wolfville, one of our 12 towns and cities. See, God is up to something, folks. Even though we can't see it, he's moving. And folks, we have a role to play in this. 
So we begin at the level we're at. If that means the bar is at its lowest point, we got to call it what it is. We all have to call it what it is. So if you say, I got that much faith, I can't even, I don't even know if there's a space. You know, even if you put your fingers together and you hold them together, did you know there's still a space there? If that's how big your, your faith seed is, there's still faith. Wherever you're at with this, you say, well, Gary, you know, you're talking about something that happened predates me and I wasn't here for that. Well, that's okay. I want to tell you that God's given us a vision to be an Antioch-sending church and he's given us a vision to reach the 12 towns and cities in the Maritimes, Atlantic region that have universities because culture flows from the university and God wants to meet the nations in the, in the universities and through churches that will be established through what we do here, through what is done in Charlottetown, through what is done in Wolfville and St. John's and on. But folks, we've had some failures. Folks, he's calling us to himself. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than Fredericton. This is happening, if you want, like, we, Joe and I started to compare notes with so many different church leaders that aren't part of our New Frontiers network all over the place, North America, Europe, God is saying the same thing everywhere that he's wanting to awaken a praying church. Like, something's going on. Do you want to, I don't want to miss that. God is wanting to birth a praying, passionate, interceding church. He want, he's, that's what he's doing now. That's what he's doing now. He's calling us to himself. There's a worldwide movement. All, now that I've said that, you go look it up. It's happening everywhere. There's a worldwide movement towards laying of personal foundations over and over again. What do we say? Be still and know that I'm God. Spend time with God in silence. Spend time with God. Learn to love Him. Spend time with Him. Do whatever it works. Go for long walks, whatever. Do all that. Establish yourself there and establish yourself in corporate situations where we're interceding and praying as a church together. That's what's going on everywhere. It's not just here. This is everywhere. And you know what? It's just the beginning. He's putting the same hunger all across the world. That tells me something. Because you see, there is no move of God that's taken place in the world that hasn't been established in intercessory prayer. You see, he's not calling for heroes. He's not calling for people on big platforms. Folks, let's be honest. There's been a bit of a sifting, a, a big sifting going on in the church He's calling for people like you and people like me. Ordinary people, he wants to put a hunger in our hearts so that an atmosphere of hunger and expectation is created for God to move. And no one's going to know about us. No one's going to know my name in the future. No one's going to know your names. But we have a role to play. Seriously, folks. I suck. I am the least likely, like, I'm th I th thought about this on the way to meeting this morning. I'm like, I suck. I'm terrible. Like, folks, I'm the least likely to succeed. I'm not joking. It should have been my uh, caption under my grad picture in high school. Like, seriously. I, like, who am I? Like, seriously, God? And so I'm driving to, to the meeting this morning, and I heard all these, things, you really suck. Like, who are you to be talking about prayer? Who are you to be talking about intercession? Intercession? Ha! Who are you? And I'm like, I suck. I really do. I really do suck. But 
My suckiness was taken under the cross with Jesus. He took my suckiness. He took all of my shame, all of my sin, all of the worst things I could have ever done, thunk, thunk of, done all of it. He's taken it on himself, became sin for me and you. And what does he give me in return? Gives me righteousness, holiness, redemption. Gives me refuge, gives me fortress, gives me all of those things. He takes, even though I suck. And guess what, folks? If I suck, you suck too. You do. You suck. All of you. We all suck together. Doesn't it feel good? We suck together. But guess what? Our suckiness is covered by the blood of Jesus and he's restoring and he's redeeming us. He's bringing us to a new place in him. He's causing us to call out to him. Folks, seriously, check your pulse. Check your pulse. I'm the least likely so are you, just so you think. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I love this, because it speaks to my suckiness. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. And I would dare say in this church, nobody, not many, <laughs> no one. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the sucky things of this world, I mean the lowly things of this world, and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. So you see, you know what? He's calling us into humility. Do you know what that means, right? Is that we depend on him, not on my good works. I depend on him. That's the definition of humility. Humility is I'm depending on Jesus. So yeah, I suck. And when the devil comes to remind you that you suck, you say, yeah, I do. But Jesus. But Jesus. So we're praying for renewed hearts. We're praying for a renewed environment. Touching God's heart. Having our hearts broken for the things that break us and our hearts. Like, do you want your heart broken with the things that break God's heart? Like, think about that for a second because that's costly. That's costly. It causes my life to be disrupted. It causes me to lose some comfort. You kids here, like seriously, to follow Jesus is costly. I think you young, you young people get it probably better than some of us. You're in it every day at school. It's costly. He's calling you to himself. Doesn't matter what grade you're in, doesn't matter what career you have, doesn't matter if you stay at home, doesn't matter. He's calling you to himself. See, nothing excludes us and availability is the key. God uses whoever is willing. My question is, are you willing this morning? Only you can answer that. Don't get caught up in the moment of it. Are you willing and what God's looking for, he's not just looking for someone who's willing, he's looking for somebody who's available. Are you available today? That's all he's looking for. You see, he doesn't call the qualified. I just read 1 Corinthians. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And guess what? You're called to intercede because you're called to be like Jesus. And Jesus, that's all he does. He lives for it. He's called you. 
He's asking, are you willing and are you available? I think that's a pretty low bar personally. I can, I'm down with that. I'm tracking with that one. I can do that. I'm willing and I'm available. I'm not sure what that means, but that's okay. I'm going to end with this. And I'm going to do this because she already said it, but this was in my message. So Michelle sent me this the other day, and I put it in my message because I felt it fit so well. But I'm going to reiterate what she just shared this morning. She had a vision or a dream of an oasis in the desert. Now, a desert in the scripture is synonymous with a place of spiritual dryness, a place of despair, a place of discouragement, a place of disillusionment, a place of need. Is that you this morning? Would you say that there's anything that I've said this morning you say, yeah, I'm in one of those categories, probably. And she said, and shared, and I wrote it down here, a pool of water under the protection of a cleft of a rock was at that oasis. Everything under the cleft was lush, green, and refreshing. So that's pretty enticing. A curtain of vines grew around the oasis for privacy. That's a message in itself. Inside was the intimate presence of God through the Holy Spirit. God is inviting you in to drink and dip into the water, an endless spring of flowing, living water. Even though the mountains might be crashing down on all sides of you, even though the worst things could be happening circumstantially in your life, it says in Psalm 46, there is, it says, but there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. That river is the river of the Spirit. And in a short few verses later, it says, be still and know that I am God. Even though all those things are happening, you can take solace, you can take refuge in my oasis because that's where I am. So folks, we're going to do something we haven't done for a long time. I want you to stand, please. Band, I want, worship band, I want you to come on up. We're going to do something we haven't done in a long time. God is doing something this morning, folks. I humbly submit to you that there's a recommissioning that God wants to bring about in our church. And you may not feel it. And guess what? I don't feel it. But I believe it. I don't feel it, but I believe it. Because I believe that God has spoken to me and others about this. I mean, shame on you, Robin Lemon. So, I'll pick on Robin. She's, she came to me after the first meeting and she said, oh, Gary, I just... I, was, I should have done something with this, but I was, were you driving? Yeah, of course you were. So she's driving, and she says, we haven't really heard anything about the 12 towns or cities. This was what day? Thursday? Thursday? Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that, Robin. <laughs> See, folks, I believe God, that God spoke that to me a month ago or whatever, three weeks ago. And I'm, like, I'm thinking I'm crazy. Like, Really? Like, really, look around you, Gary. Like, where is the evidence of things not seen? And I say, exactly. Folks, if you've tracked with anything this morning, some of you may be feeling something within you, say, yeah, God, please come. Some of you may be like, on faith, no feeling, but you're saying, yes, I believe. And maybe it's that, bun- that much faith. God is calling our church to revitalize and to grab hold of the vision God has given us in all of these things. I want you to step forward. We've got lots of room. 
No one's going to lay hands on you, so don't be concerned that, you know, social distancing, like, as the team begins to play, if any of this has resonated with you, any part of it, we're just going to trust God to do something in you this morning, but as a statement, as a, as a, I said, yeah, you know what, God, I'm willing and I'm available. If that's all it is, you're willing and you're available. If you're in grade five or grade six and you're willing and you're available and that's all it is, that's good. I don't understand any much of your message, but I'm willing and I'm available for God. That's good. Come on up. So start making your way now, really, seriously. And I'm not going to coerce you. Like, this is, the Holy Spirit is here. Jesus is in the room. Jesus is in the room. When you walk into the room, he changes things. Folks, Jesus wants to do something in our church. And if you're at home and you're watching this, I would just ask, stand up. Stand up. You can join us here. Just stand up and say, yeah, I'm willing. I'm available. He's calling you. He's calling us. He wants to revitalize us. He wants to give you what you don't have. You're willing and you're available. And watch what he will do. So Holy Spirit, I'm praying right now in Jesus' name that you would come, that you would speak to us, O oh God, that you would cause us to be mindful of these things. Lord, in our brokenness, some of us, I just saw the word collateral, and some of you have been collateral. <laughs> some of you have been collateral damage in this past six or seven years, you've been collateral damage. And you know who you are. You've been damaged. And Jesus says today, I want to take you into my hospital wing and I'm going to repair the collateral damage. Some of you have received collateral shrapnel wounds that aren't even your fault. Nothing. You just, you just got slimed. And he wants to say, I'm going to fill you, heal you, restore you, give you new hope, new vision, that's what I'm doing. So let's worship him. As they lead us in this song, just receive from him. We can't get around to pray for you. That's okay. Holy Spirit is here. And guess what? Jesus is praying for you now, right now. So it's like, Jesus, could you think of anybody better to lay hands on you than Jesus? That's what he's doing in his spirit because he's interceding for you now. So let's worship him. And I'm going to join you at the front, okay? Go ahead, Angie.